1.21 gigawatts, how about ya? It is episode 8 of Book Record Beer, your podcast for art, high and low, fidelity the same, and everything in between. This episode, we ride the ladder as we tackle an old master of spec and intrigue, Michael Crichton, with his posthumous historical fiction, Dragon Teeth. A new 90s throwback band called Dinosaur Pileup and Philadelphia Brewing Company's Kenzinger Beer. Themes of rivalry and antiquity abound in this cast, and no one is safe from Daniel's ability to meh them. And that, my friends, that, my friends, is all I write. So saddle up as we start this dig so you can too. Right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode eight of Book Record Beer. It is uh, fucking beautiful to be back in the basement with these handsome gents. Uh, as always, I have next to me uh, Daniel DeFranco. Hey, folks. And Nick Gregorio. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, 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 hey. Let's not do that. <laughs> a mildly under the weather uh, Michael Mahalik, engineering extraordinaire uh, once more. Say hello, Mike. Hey, how's it going, guys? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that was exaggerated. <laughs> the loud thud when he falls over. <laughs> <laughs> that we're going to know. Um, so this is uh, what, Nick, you have, have dubbed our regular-ass cast. Yes. Tell us why. Tell us why. This is a regular-ass cast because uh, in an attempt to do a more current lineup of things, we chose Michael Crichton's Dragon Teeth, uh, Dinosaur Pileups 1111, uh, and a really nice, simple beer, um, Called uh, Brew Kensinger, PBC Kensinger, Kensinger. Um, and we did that because uh, it's sort of bubblegum. Michael Crichton's a bubblegum writer. Um, Dinosaur Pileup, sort of like a bubblegum throwback '90s rock and roll act, and uh, Kensinger, something you just get in a regular ass night. Um, And this is more for the folks that like reading, like rock and roll, and just want to jump into something new and fresh, and arguably easy as well. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So. to, let, we're going to jump right into the book here, uh, entitled Dragon Teeth. Um, but before we do, I, uh, I'm going to introduce these gentlemen, uh, speaking of bubblegum, speaking of something you can jump right into and that we all enjoy. Uh, a little Back to the Future reference here. Um, this is a, a, a Western in the, in the actual Wild West um, story. So uh, Back to the Future Part 3 takes place Ooh. in a very similar, <laughs> if not the exact same uh, sort of environment. So it's my favorite um, one. You're an, a, a madman. No one, <laughs> it, no one on planet Earth would say that. It grew on me. I like it. Oh, I like them all. Yeah, absolutely. But three as your favorite. <laughs> Truth be told, it's insane. You've never seen the first one, have you? How, <laughs> how on earth did the fucking train get that fast? <laughs> I mean, come on, really. I was a child, and I was like, I don't think so, Dad. And he was like, yeah, no. <laughs> no, no, yeah, you can't. Are you being serious? A little bit. No, I actually... <laughs> I don't know anymore. <laughs> okay, so here we go. I'm going to introduce... Um, Nick Gregorio, for sure, is uh, <laughs> Buford Mad Dog 10. <laughs> uh, he 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 is you know because he's a he's a scruffy dude for sure he's got that beard and everything like that uh dude despises manure <laughs> as all tannins do but um but the other thing is he gets his killing done before breakfast 
And uh, what type of killing is he telling me? I think I, you know what I I thought of it as. Uh, he gets his writing done early. Uh, believe it or not, I do. I know. Um, yeah. So You're killing all those darlings yeah, before breakfast. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> nicely done. Nicely done. Uh, okay, so moving on, we have um, the Marshal James Strickland to my <laughs> left, which is good old Daniel DeFranco. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're familiar with Strickland. He's uh He's a cantankerous old man. I don't think I'd like this. You're not cantankerous <laughs> as much as Strickland, of course, but I would not put it past you to carry a rifle and to to fire it from your porch at some ruffians who are about. Well, there's slacker. No, there's, no, there's, there's no porch in uh, in part three. He's actually well. He's the marshal. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah a well, bit I know. More tame, almost lovable in part three. Well, this is the thing, and and you've 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 jumped ahead of me here. If we, I'm taking Strickland as a whole across the mm-hmm. the whole. Uh, What's that called? A uh, the time space war, continuum. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I was going to say the um, what's it called when there's numerous films in a thing, the uh, series, the uh, uh, au trilogy. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Move, moving forward, it, it, um, the brand. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like that's what I'm saying. Listeners, call in if you have an answer. <laughs> but so he's like, yeah, he's totally a dick in the first one. You don't like him at all. Slacker. Uh, and then by the time you get to the end, you see he's, he's, this, he's this very uh, rounded dude. His criticism and, and his, his reasoning behind being Strickland uh, makes sense to you because you kind of see. Right. And so over the course of like 150 years or 130 years, yeah. like how much can he deal with? Yeah. That's why he's a big ass at the end. <laughs> so I've been trying to. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, so there we go. That's and, and that's why I picked Strickland for you. I think I think it fits. I and guess. Then, uh, oh, it's so good. Come on. And then uh, Michael, you're a flea. Flea, <laughs> as in the base, as in the base. He's in every Needles. Back to the Future. Yeah, needles. Needles. Oh, except man. in this one. What's the matter, McFly? <laughs> you chicken. <laughs> uh, in this one, he is. Um, he's coming to his own. I think a little bit more. Uh, he's not just like uh, the the secondary dude, you know. What I mean, <laughs> that's sick. Dude. So uh, yeah, I'll gladly take yeah. So you're needles. you're, you're fully, uh needles, um, yeah. So that's that's how I would introduce these guys if they were characters in Back to the Future Part Three, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Old West. If I was interest, introduced you as a character in Back to the Future Three, uh, I'd pick Seamus McFly. Hell yeah, uh, <laughs> because you give us water when we're down in the basement. <laughs> Uh, sometimes it's dirty, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, your accents are terrible. <laughs> so, I, dude, do Marty, an Irish accent. Marty trying to, oi, oi, that's oi, oi is that's definitely British. It's, uh, it's is it? something. Yeah, it's, whatever it is. Yeah. In right. any case, uh, no, I'll take that. Michael sure. Crichton, dragon teeth. Michael Crichton, dragon teeth. Let's yeah. jump right in. Um, first, it has to be noted this is. Um, a posthumous publish. Absolutely. Right? So this is something that uh, the family, the estate, um, found. Made a and, cash grab with. And decided mm-hmm. to. And I, we are going to talk about that, but let's get into the story first. Um, but yeah, they decided to publish it. Yep. After he passed. He passed, uh, wow. 2008. Yeah, almost 10 ago. years ago now. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, uh, from cancer at the young age of like 66, I think, right? Yeah. Um, and what was interesting to me... Uh, in, in diving back into Crichton, I hadn't read anything of his for quite some time. Read Jurassic Park when I was a, a child, um, like literally, I think like third grade, second grade, something like that. Um, and that always stuck with me because I remember the baby raptor in page two ripping the baby's face, the human baby's face off. 
uh, and I was mm. always like, this is so, this is what fucking novels can do. This is awesome. <laughs> um, and what I didn't realize was that he had been a director uh, and writer of cinema first. Was. Right. So Westworld came out in the seventies as a movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and I've been loving that uh, TV show. Um, I think it's fantastic. Uh, the current Westworld. The current I Westworld. Still yeah, the, the HBO TV yeah, show. Oh, it's it. episodes to finish it. Yeah. But yeah, I'm liking it. Yeah. Oh man, it's it's brilliant. And and it's uh, Jonathan Nolan. Um, right. Brought that with J.J. Uh, Abrams. And it really does have that uh, sort of Dark Knight sheen to it, nice. which, which is cool. Um, so, but in any case, yeah, he he really does. Um, I think he he is fascinated by uh, discovery. And 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 what it is um, uh, to to create and 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 to to sort of like I would argue uh, to dig and and find something right because literally it's happening here but when we're talking about that in a scientific way um, that's all science is doing right they're constantly digging and and, and trying to to discover something new um, so he he really seems to be fascinated by that. Uh, the story focuses on uh, real characters because it's historical fiction. Um, and we have a young man who is a bit of an ass. Yale. <laughs> a little bit. Philadelphia native son. Uh, he's at Yale. Um, he takes a bet uh, that he will go to the Wild West where there are the Indian Wars raging with the Sioux uh, and Sitting Bull. And we essentially have um, uh, a uh, situation where there are two archaeologists, paleontologists, I'm sorry, uh, who are finding... Which was a very new science. Then. Brand new, yeah. right? People people weren't really uh, even so receptive to believe that, mm-hmm. that what they were finding were A, bones, and B, bones of ancient creatures right. that had once roamed. Which, believe it or not, still happens today. Yes. So we're going <laughs> to, we're of course, get into that. The earth um, is flat, my friends. Yeah. I, I... No... <laughs> Um, I, I, I would like to start off, what are our thoughts on historical fiction in general before we get into the actual story? Because this is a unique genre. I, I enjoy historical fiction when it's done really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what's, a, what's done really well? Okay, so <laughs> this might not sound like a thing that's done really well, but when I was, when I was younger, I got super into uh, all the Anne Rice vampire novels. And they're not like, it's not high art by any means looking back now, but whatever... Whatever reason, I got sucked into them like 15 years ago, <laughs> and I read them all. And what I enjoyed is uh, you could tell that she did her research, yeah. and if she was describing ancient Rome or or um, uh, or Egypt, what's the name of that uh, the place that burnt down the library? Oh, uh, uh, it's in. There's a new one in Virginia right now. Yeah, it's not Babylon, uh, but. Uh... Alexandrian. That's it. Jesus yeah. Christ. There we go. Got it. All right. Library, yeah. it's, it's early. And you didn't see it. You can't see it, but my eyes were very wide when yeah. I was trying to yeah. think about it. That was, <laughs> so if she wanted, me out. If she, if she wanted you to feel like you were there, it, like, it actually felt like you were there. So uh, in that regard, historical fiction, I, I enjoy because it, it's probably the closest to like time travel that you can probably possibly get probably and it sh- it should be noted um not to interrupt you but it should be noted that one of the hallmarks of historical fiction is that the author does uh painstaking research to make sure that mannerisms speech yeah. mm-hmm. um references are set in the time period with which they're writing um so not the time period 
we're in the writing, but the time right. period that they're writing. Well, about. I found it funny because a DeLorean shows up in this book. Really <laughs> <laughs> so well, I think historical fiction is different than, say, watching like a period piece is when you're watching a movie. It's in front yeah. of you and you're watching. You're a spectator. Uh, what I like about historical fiction is is you're kind of creating it on your own in your mind. I mean, it's why you like books. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's more of your own personal experience. And, you know, to a large uh, degree, I do feel like you are there, even if you're, you know, and I'm not omniscient or, you know, limited point, whatever point of view the story is being told from, you're part of it. You're spectating it. Uh, yeah. In your mind movies. Mind movies. Well, the thing about that is, is um, so uh, at one point, our hero goes to Deadwood, right? Mm -hmm. And Deadwood is infamous during this time period. We're talking about the late 1800s. Um, lawless. This was when uh, people literally weren't allowed to go on to the Native American lands, um, but a lot of prospectors, of course, did. Um, and so there was, at one point, the army was enforcing the law that you couldn't go on there. They were removing you. And at this point, they kind of have given up. It's like uh, if you have a uniform policy at school, a couple weeks goes out the window. Uh, <laughs> and you're like, stop wearing your hat at least. Um, so what, what's happening here is um, I, I watched Deadwood, incredible mm -hmm. show on HBO, right? If you were to wiki, Wikipedia Deadwood, you would know the entire plot of the show because mm -hmm. it stayed absolutely true to form. Um, and so when he's bringing these, these characters in and with historical, uh, historical novels in general and the genre as a whole, um, I think it really, really, really does have to be done well. Else you find yourself reading a textbook and some history textbooks I found interesting simply because they were interesting, but can it sustain you for 200, 300 pages? Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like that is where we have a major issue because um, the writers of these things become so, so sort of obsessive with getting it right mm -hmm. because of, honestly, the criticism that comes if they don't. Right. Um, and that's the thing. If, you, if you're claiming to do X, uh, you really have to do X with this genre. And I think that actually... Um, tears away at the story i think i think it does a lot to 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 hurt it yeah and you know like margaret george for instance she does a lot of the um uh big names in history like cleopatra her cleopatra i thought was really good all of her books are like henry the eighth all of her books are like six seven hundred pages long they're, they're tomes um and frankly, you get 200 pages in, and it's very difficult to sustain your interest, even yeah. if you're interested in the character. And it should be noted that this book is primarily fiction in terms of the the you know the the adventure sort of sure. points. Um, aside from the people, you're getting a lot of just entertainment, which is what Crichton always did very well. He was and able. Why I'm to, glad we picked it. Yeah. He was always able to pull you into a world, no matter if it was historical fiction or science fiction. Um, and you buy into whatever he's doing because he's so uh, meticulously researched uh, in, in his books. I was actually surprised when you turn to the back and you see the references page. Uh, I thought it was going to be much longer. Right. Um, but I think he did come across some really, really strong uh, references. You know, you find that one that'll give you almost all mm -hmm. your, your, your right. research. So um, that's really good. So let's get into it. We have our uh, our main character um, who is uh, from Philadelphia and takes this bet in Yale um, to go with uh, Marsh, who is um, one of our two warring paleontologists. We have Marsh and Cope. Yeah. Uh, 
right? And I think it should be noted that the main character, Jonathan, uh, what's his name, Jonathan? It's it's a uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that guy. He's fictitious, <laughs> yes. but Marsh and Cope were actually real people. They were real, yes. But, yeah, so I, the story, yeah. essentially, in all like the, the little blurbs and stuff you see, um, it's always two warring paleontologists. Right? William Johnson. William, William Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Not John at all. No. <laughs> well, last name's close. Yeah. Uh, and he refers to him only as Johnson. So Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so, um, so, so Johnson uh, goes to Yale where Marsh is a professor. Right. He's a professor there because of his wealth and status and family ties, essentially. Not because anybody buys into his damn voodoo science. Right. Unless his cousin was Carnegie or Mellon or... I want to I wanna say the latter. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not 100% on that. Uh, but yeah, he had, you know, obviously one of these real huge guys at the beginning of, uh, you know, the America that we now know. Yeah, they just had uh, so much money. Yeah. That yeah, they yeah. just oil tycoon. Yeah. You know, and so because of this, um, he's given this status, this place at this prestigious college. Um, and so he goes into the West every summer uh, to dig for bones. Um, the person who Johnson, our pro tag has a um, a bet with uh, believes that the West is the future, right? He says he's and he's been to the West. Johnson is sort of a pretty boy. His family has a mansion on Rittenhouse Square, so mm-hmm. all our Philadelphia listeners will be like, what? "That was fun." Uh, yeah, that was fun. Um, and so to know that, and 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 to note, there's only one uh, single family home left on Rittenhouse Square. All the rest is now apartments and whatever. But mm. there is one home left. I think it's for sale for like six or seven million dollars. I always see it in Philadelphia magazine. Buying it, <laughs> buying it. <laughs> uh, but in any case, yeah. So he has this mansion. He's he's from he's from uh, wealth. He's shipping, right? Much yep. like uh, a lot of uh, money in shipping. Well, you know, you have Stephen Gerrard, who was a big Philadelphia dude. Mm. Uh, tons and tons of money, um, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a big thing. Uh, when Marsh hears that he's from Philadelphia, one, because Cope is also from Philadelphia, uh, and that um, uh, Johnson's family is in shipping, he gets uh, freaked out. This is the first time where we see not only how uh, intense the feud is, he doesn't want to talk to this dude because he might be related in some way to mm-hmm. to, right. to this guy who he, he's at war with, um, but also how paranoid uh, Marsh is. Uh, and then we we see that he takes the bet. He goes to the West instead of going to Europe, and uh, he has to get there um, by sort of scheming his way in and claiming to be a photographer. Right. And what I really liked about uh, the character of Johnson is that we do see an 18-year-old prissy sort of piece of shit, like what we'd call probably like one of those privileged bros or something now, Mm -hmm. right? Wrecks his buddy's yacht and yeah. like well dude, whatever my name's martin screlly yeah <laughs> bro yeah get out of here yeah. also in this book delorean <laughs> <laughs> and should be noted there is no delorean yeah. <laughs> although i will say i thought at some point Crichton was gonna sneak like a jurassic park reference in like mm. the hammonds found the bones <laughs> and i was sorely disappointed when it did not spoiler well, and, and it should be it should be noted this this he wrote Probably before uh, decades Jurassic Park. De- decades ago. Yeah. yeah. He probably um, wrote this in the 70s, it seems. In the 70s, right? yeah. I think it yeah. was uh, around Westworld uh, when he was writing that that mm-hmm. he was he was researching and writing this, which makes perfect sense, mm-hmm. right? I would argue that, and perhaps this, what we're, what we're reading, uh, was actually serving as research for Westworld. And Jurassic Park. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah. certainly, certainly. Yeah. Uh, but a combination of the two, probably. Sure. Um, because we do have those really clear... 
uh, descriptions of, of, of the setting and, and, and talking about the Dakotas and Montana, Montana territory. But um, to move forward, um, we have our protagonist. He is, you know, piece of shit. And then he has to learn photography because his pride won't let him not go to the West to win the bet. He's so passionate about his bullshit. Yeah. He learns <laughs> a completely a brand new, brand trade. new field. <laughs> <laughs> Photography's totally, and it's painstaking. Right? Yeah. You get all these descriptions about how he has to uh, set up the glass plates and he sucks at it, um, <laughs> yeah. which he might not even suck that much, but the, the dude who he's, he's apprenticing for seems to be a hard ass. Yeah. Yep. A little bit of a Strickland, if you will. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he's, he's, he's on him. And he literally, uh, so... Um, you know, our, our fictitious Johnson is, is, <laughs> oh man, I wish it was planned. It wasn't. Uh, our fictitious protagonist is, is keeping a journal the entire time. Um, what did you guys uh, think about that? Cause the uh, journal entries, uh, pepper. So there's yeah. journal entries from not only our protagonist, but also, uh, a number of the other yep. gentlemen who went on the digs with these guys, yep. um, they get peppered in as if they wrote um, autobiographies and memoirs later on, right. if they kept journals and stuff. So it's, 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 I wouldn't say, as we were talking about, an epistolary novel. No, it's not. By any stretch of the imagination. But there is tons of journals. I yep. see, Daniel, you have your notebook at the ready. What, my what journal, if you I took a note about yeah. journals <laughs> in my journal. Meta. Uh, meta. <laughs> just, just to touch on the uh, photography thing again, um, you know, I think now when we think of photographers and people working with uh, film and developing, there's almost a romance to it, and it seems like a very cool thing, uh, almost, almost a sexy thing to do. Um, back then, back you mean? then, no, like now. Oh, right, because back you're then, in a dark room and you're, yeah, yeah. you're doing something that people don't know. Back yeah. then, it was, uh, it was, it was like you were a chimney sweep. Oh yeah, yeah. It was like a, a you, you were a uh, like a, a you know menial job. Yeah, uh, like doing a this. tradesman. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Okay. Um, so this prissy boy had to go and learn this thing, like how do you you know take apart an engine and clean it or something, put it back right. together again. When he would just as soon just go buy a new car. Yeah. Right. You know? So. Sure. Okay. Uh, the journal. So this book was framed as, uh, you know, I found all these journals, and I pulled all this information from these journals, and I felt that. Crichton just whatever reason really wanted to use that journal conceit yeah. more than it actually worked. It, I don't think it worked at all. No. Because uh, so, so the first journal entry is almost like a short story. Right. There's like dialogue. <laughs> Some of them are very long. Some of them oh, are yes. pages and pages uh -huh. long. And it's like, how did it, you get how lost do I, in them? How do I give you this info? Luckily, it's in like typewriter. What's well, a different typewriter yeah, a different font? font. Yeah. 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 But it felt like at times, how do I give you this info? Um, like, like I can't do it. Yeah, which right. I think it just it speaks to this is a an early, young writer. That's what it seems like. It, that's what it really yeah. seems like. Yeah, I've never kept a journal where I had dialogue. <clears throat> I <laughs> had lunch with Nick today, and he said, "Boy, this sandwich is good." <laughs> Tenderly, as he, like, yeah. I guess he yeah. took another bite. Like, who keeps a journal? <laughs> <laughs> the glistening of his knife yeah. reflected into my eye socket. Yeah, yeah it doesn't. Um, it doesn't happen that way. No. So, uh, what I noted about halfway through though was once he beat you over the head with it. You feel that you need it almost. That was my reaction. I know you guys just said that you didn't care for it. Um, I didn't necessarily care for it. I didn't think it was uh, helpful. Uh, I thought he could have done better, right? Yeah. But once I got in it and I saw that that was the way I was getting information. Did you forget about it? I 
I forgot about it. I forgot it. about he- it too. Halfway through, yeah. I forgot that this is what's happening, and I was I was almost looking for that new um, typeface because I was like, when that font shows up, uh, I'm gonna get. I'm actually gonna get into the story. I think that was my biggest problem was I didn't feel attached to the characters unless it was mm-hmm. in that journal right. uh, format because it, I, I didn't really feel um, invested uh, as, as much. Um, so I don't know if you guys were. Well, I actually started, I wouldn't say looking forward to them, but what I thought was a cool thing that uh, Crichton started doing is he would have a scene and you know maybe he wouldn't have all the information about the scene, whoever the narrator is at the time. And they would say, but we found, you know, a record of this, of this event in so-and-so's other journal. Right. Yeah. And then you'd get their uh, point of view from it. So you kind of had this almost rotating uh, cast of point of views. Right. For, well, yeah. for certain events that, you know, this guy's like, well, you know, I, I hopped on a train and, uh, you know, Indians came after us and attacked us, but then you'd get the point of view from, you know, somebody What's his else. name is Memoir, who was a minor character in the dig so far. Yeah, but right. but we find that you know, a uh, hundred fifty years later, or however long, mm-hmm. hundred twenty five years later, um, and in fact, before he passed, he had written about this, this incident. This, which is which? I mean, yeah. the the book itself and everything that's happening, I, I couldn't help because I loved Deadwood again. Mm-hmm. He's in Deadwood for a while. Um, I couldn't help it, but feel like uh, that's where your fictitious Johnson lives. <laughs> <laughs> that this was in, in uh, Deadwood. In Deadwood. <laughs> oh, yeah. Holy shit! That's incredible. Uh, couldn't couldn't have written it. Oh. Uh, he he um he does a lot to bring in the characters that we know were in Deadwood at the time. And what I liked was the, having watched it. And 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 there is a timeline to events. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of follows that timeline of events as well. Um, so it is really kind of true to form historical fiction in that way. Like the details are, are certainly there. One of those details that I really enjoyed was the idea that if animals go extinct, it speaks to, um, because religion is huge at this point, right? Yep. He uh, literally, one of the uh, paleontologists beats a man unconscious uh, who's a Quaker yeah. Yes. Yeah. He he beats a Quaker man unconscious because he's like pretty. Seems like a pretty peaceful guy. He just is yeah. like. Yeah. Well, he he he. he I think. Dozens well, he asked of times him. Gets he asked him about the validity a, of, of paleontology, and he flipped out. Well, not only the validity <laughs> of paleontology, but he asked, "What's in the crates? Hmm. Bones? Bones of what? Creatures that have gone extinct and roamed the earth millions of years ago? Well, that's untrue. <laughs> How do you consider yourself a man of faith?" Because that would state that God has made a mistake, right? If his creatures go extinct, then he's done something wrong. And I thought that dinosaur bones existing to prove the fallibility of God, mm-hmm. I thought that was fantastic. That's yeah, cool. You know, so every now and then he peppered in these very, very mm. cool things. And it builds to that. Um, there's numerous references to uh, being religious or being a scientist. And that there is at this point in time, as we know, a distinct split. Um, I, I think it's even referenced that one of the founding fathers um, bit his tongue and failed to say that he believed. Yeah, um, Jefferson. Jefferson, exactly. Yeah, he he bit his tongue 
uh, Crichton says, and, 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 and failed to state that, that he believed, in fact, uh, dinosaurs had roamed the earth as long ago as, as was stated, and they, they could have been as big as they were, and yeah. you know, things of that nature, which would discount a lot of the religious beliefs at the t- of the time. That mm-hmm. the earth was you know, uh, created 6,000 years or 4,000 years ago. Or yeah, that, the, yep. the timeline is, yeah. is, is huge for a lot of uh, um, Christian religions. Yeah, but that Quaker guy really got it. He got the shit kicked out. Oh yeah, it was bad. <laughs> and he had his little son with him, <laughs> yeah. and, and Cope was uh, like berating him as oh, yeah. he was beating yeah. him. And he Cope gets referred to as a pugilist all the time. Yeah. Um, so what did you what did you guys think about that uh, conflict between uh, Cope and Marsh? Because we have them sabotaging one another uh, throughout. Although it's far more Marsh sabotaging oh, yeah. Cope mm-hmm. than than anything else. Um, so mm-hmm. to, to give a little bit of background, not a spoiler at all. Um, uh, Marsh is, of course, our paleontologist from Yale, who our uh, protag Johnson goes with to the West to win this bet. Marsh abandons him mm-hmm. in the very beginning uh, because he, he believes that um, he is an agent for his nemesis, Cope, yep. the other paleontologist, who's at UPenn, right? Yes. Yeah. So so Cope is UPenn and, um, and Marsh is, is Yale. So he abandons him. Uh, who shows up but Cope? takes uh, our protagonist, Johnson, under his wing uh, to take pictures because he's going to need pictures too. Yep. Um, and so uh, that's where we see both sides of this. And for the duration of the novel, Cope is seen as, yeah, having a bad temper at times, but for the most part, he's far more brilliant. He knows what's going on, um, and, and he's arguably the better paleontologist. Mm-hmm. So He's just got a violent streak in him. Yeah. yeah. So w- what did we think about that, that, that conflict that is uh, actually, that's real? Well, that's that's why I always liked Michael Crichton to be completely honest, because you had you had warring um, philosophies in all of his books, mm-hmm. um, and in in this one in particular, like it was a point of comedy, it was a point of tension, and it was a point of drama. So you had these these great elements of good storytelling just within this this weird rivalry between paleontologists. Which who, is bizarre to think about. It's wild. <laughs> it's wild, and it's even, it's even kind of weirder because they were rivals in their own field, yet the majority of the people didn't Did, even believe in their. Didn't field. recognize as valid. Exactly. Yeah. So I yeah, mean, they're they're they're. I mean, these are such gigantic discoveries. Right. That that was in, in, incredible to me. Yeah. Oh yeah, and like we we were talking about uh, metal music. Mm-hmm. Uh, before the show and how each genre of metal is so ra- ravenous about their own genre that they hate each other and yeah. the genre itself as a whole is already marginalized yeah so it's yeah. It, warring factions between yeah. an already yeah. small you know tribe right yeah yeah it's like I'm, I'm i'm standing in in the middle of a, a place going no metal and everybody <laughs> is like thrash bro no thrash. way you have to sepulatura bro <laughs> What I, what I found very interesting is in the, uh, the the notes at the end of the book, um, the lengths that Marsh and Cope's feud went to were actually oh, yeah. so much grander and more in depth than what are what's portrayed in the book. <laughs> yeah, yes. dude. That they that a Real fiction life. writer had to tone it back. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> because people wouldn't believe. Yeah. The lengths that these two right. enormously wealthy people would go to. to Fuck one each other over. Yeah, I, my favorite uh, to comment on that was that uh, Cope said he donated his body to science and said, "I want you to measure my brain." 
and compare it to Marsh's when he dies <laughs> and see who had the bigger brain. Look at the big brain on Brad. Like, who has the bigger fucking brain? Because back then it was said that the yep. size, of, right? Yeah. Your size of your brain uh, denotes All intelligence. Fictitious Johnson. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, <laughs> what that voice even is. <laughs> I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't believe that. That was <laughs> yeah. amazing to me. Compare our brains when we're dead. Well, for the, uh, for the record, I just wanted to be known that I have that written in my will for you guys as well. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> That'll be great. But not Mike's. <laughs> I feel like Mad Dog Buford is definitely gonna. Buey's gonna gonna kill us just in. Look although that could all be dome. skull. That could all be head. skull. Yeah. Oh, I got a big big dome on this 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 tiny neck of mine. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, I mean, moving forward with it, um, do we think that uh, in the end that we get? that we get a story and that perhaps the things that really were, you know, cause we're talking about a posthumous publisher and, and I'm not necessarily sure it should have been published. Mm-mm. I totally right? agree with that. Um, and, and so it should have been $30. Right. You paid $30, whatever it is. So it's, it's like after tax. Like 27 oh, right. bucks. Yeah. No, I got yeah. a little $12 piece over here. <laughs> Which <laughs> it was, Whatever. Okay. Uh, <laughs> got a guy. Um, Put a, different... a book guy? Yeah, yeah he's, a, he's my fictitious Johnson. Uh, <laughs> but in any case, um, here's the thing with that. I, 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 was, I was into it, um, and the whole time I'm thinking, Crichton would be pissed. Oh, yeah. He would be upset, right? Because they published Vonnegut's first novel that he never published, mm-hmm, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they published the first six chapters of a novel that he was writing before he passed and and I bought that and I was like ah, he would he would be so pissed yep he would be upset mm-hmm. go set a watchman right come on right and you know I think that was an actual tragedy though that I was a tragedy that I didn't buy it on principle I didn't I, buy it same, on principle I boycotted same. that was an yeah. absolute tragedy that that book was ever released and and that's that's a little bit different because we have an old woman being taken advantage yes. of for 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 a money grab and stuff like that this. The family put it out. The family put it out. Yes, and 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 so that's why I'm not necessarily sure this is this is a, a money grab so much yeah. as it's just I think trying to sustain a, 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 a legacy. legacy. And I, yeah. I think perhaps or to to people who aren't writers, they might not notice when he says it would be six months before they realize their error. Which yeah. like <laughs> is how every chapter every ends. Every chapter yeah. ends with like, yes. and it would only be in December when he'd know that that Indian was not his friend. <laughs> right. And every time that and came up, I was like, more on this yeah. particular It's like, what are we adventure. going to commercial? What the yeah. fuck? Yeah. yeah. I, I, every time that came up, I was like, oh, Michael. Well, Come I'll be on. honest. Oh, young Michael, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be honest. Look, this I think this was a legacy thing, mm-hmm. to be honest, um, because because he was one of the most successful writers of the time. He had a number one TV show, uh, an award-winning film. He wrote and, and, and developed ER, for yes. those who don't know. Is what and he was a best-selling to. novelist at the same time. Same time. He's the only writer that was ever been, has ever been able Absolutely, to do Absolutely, that. yes, that's true. Um, and he had a minor hit on Yugoslavian AM radio. He did? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let me get back to my oh, damn point. God. Um, Yugoslavia when I was a kid, should have set you off on that, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah it wasn't have. Yugoslavia. It doesn't even until, exist anymore. It was the ponies. It was the ponies, baby. It was the ponies. Um, In the 80s, it did. But uh, when I was a kid, I read three writers. It was 
Peter Benchley, R.L. Stein, and Michael Crichton. I'm glad you brought that up, yeah. Um, and anytime Michael Crichton, a new Michael Crichton novel is released, I go get it because I loved him as a kid. He was one of the first writers that I thought I would like to write stories to. Um, this just isn't very good. It, it's, it's a hell of a lot of fun at points. Um, yeah. But it feels like a first draft that should never have been put out. I. I, I absolutely agree, and 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 I'm I'm so glad you said that. You reminded me of a point I wanted to make, which is, when I was younger, my Michael Crichton was Clive Cussler. Okay. Because it's 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 a little bit similar, a little bit more Indiana Jonesy, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and so Clive Cussler has these Dirk Pitt adventures. They're all under the water, and so the ocean fascinated me. Yeah, that's Dinosaurs why I read fascinated Benchley. me for sure, but the ocean fascinated me because yeah. it was so unknown. And he wrote about that. And I look back now. I read the first one. I read. Uh, by him the other day i started reading again i was like fucking shit how did i get through that i thought it was right. brilliant i thought it was fascinating yeah. I, I was like oh i read one of the sex scenes i got to that and i was like that's where i tapped out because i was like this is holy crap man. <laughs> like i could but i bought every single one yeah i mean inca gold was like a thousand pages and i read it as like a third fourth grader or something like Good that Lord. and 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 i bought them all because i was like wow story you know it was all about story and he what he doesn't mess up here is that there is it is all about story yes. it is all about story yeah. and um and and that's a testament to what the type of writer that he was yep. you know he you, you can't that's the thing that you can't teach right you know is 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 to to know a story right him him and little did he know <laughs> like that kind of stuff that kind His of stuff you you book. teach yourself out of that you yeah. know and, and you learn how to do that better and, and show don't tell and those those things that you over time but um the story itself, he he puts together an arc and he creates something that is engaging yep. and fun. You know, fun is the word. Yeah. yeah, it's fun. If I was in an airport and this was a paperback for like seven bucks, I would destroy this on a seven-hour flight to California. Uh, sure, absolutely. Yeah, it was very specific. Either. With a little layover in Atlanta, bump that baby <laughs> up to eleven. You're done. This book. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, and, and that's that's a that's a really good point. Um. Uh, what what's McCall is is not a great story. Uh, our buddy Chuck Palahniuk. Right. Uh, what's the one about the porno? Uh, oh, snuff. Snuff. Yeah. I read that on a plane ride. Yeah. That was fun. Fun. Good story. If you can tell a story, if you're good at it, it's yeah. gonna come through. Right. The writing, I was like, oh man. Well, could, well, I don't want to go into Palahniuk. Let's not that do guy that. Fucking blew it. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. No. Exactly. But 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 back to this. This story, man. It's it's good. And 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 one of the things that was. Um, uh, sort of a turning point for me that I I was I was like I was like all right nicely done nicely done uh, let me find brontosaurus yep the which dragon is, the, the 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 name of the not novel not a dragon it's a terrible name for the book it's right good, it's good to sell it well we know yes. what it is yeah of course yeah. it was a, um, a brachiosaur tooth which they mistakenly called a brontosaurus oh that, that's that's real yeah when where'd you do that research <laughs> I love dinosaurs okay. <laughs> We've gone off the rails. Yeah, <laughs> um, but in any case, the 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 title of the of the novel comes from um, our uh, protagonist Johnson is is digging, and these enormous sort of round rocks are like falling, mm-hmm. uh, and then Cope uh, freaks out, tries to shimmy up a thousand foot cliff face, <laughs> and, <laughs> and right and uh, of shale, yeah, good right. call, and then and and then and this is where those teeth show up, and and the, the, this is. Um, 
the fine the fine in paleontology at this time because the creature that those teeth would belong to is what four times larger than anything yep. they've Ever discovered found. fucking yeah. massive yeah and and you, they you didn't know, even think anything that big could possibly exist absolutely um and and i liked how they're, they're referencing the other finds you know the neanderthals and stuff like that the bones that are being found elsewhere um referencing human nature and different things like that um the history is interesting the story is strong the writing is poor because is it's poor. A, this is the ingredients to just could to what could have been a terrific novel yes and perhaps look at what did happen though we got Westworld. We got Jurassic Park. Yeah. I, I I am gonna convince myself that this is the research for those yeah. two great pieces. Well, it's kind of fun. I, I I this, it's not a great book, but it's fun. It does but a lot of things right. I wasn't it mad. I wasn't mad right. that I read it. Exactly by what I was gonna say. I yeah. I I don't regret reading this at all. Yeah. it was just something that I read for over a couple of days, and it was a good time. I was trying to get my wife to read it just so I can get more value out of my investment <laughs> of spending money, and she said, "Well, what, okay, what's it about?" And I was explaining it, and she's like. You're not making it sound very good. <laughs> but uh, I was like, well, I didn't hate it. You know, I'm yeah. not upset that I read it. Yeah. yeah. It just wasn't good. Well, you're Strickland, so you're going to highlight the negatives first and say this is what should have been improved, and then you're going to give it to praise. You, you don't do a praise sandwich. You do, you do a, a praise... Like a slacker platter. <laughs> <I'm just> like, <laughs> An open-faced praise sandwich. There we go, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, right. And uh, frankly, that's um, that that is, I get. I think the best way to to qualify this this book. Yep. If it comes out in paperback and you can get an edition for like seven or eight bucks, and the hardback's like, twelve on Amazon. I don't know what happened. I don't know, man. I, well, get, I like to go to brick and mortar shops. Yeah. As do I. As do I. You're right. If you can find, but it, I buy on Amazon too. If you can so find it for I'm not trying to blow you up a couple here. bucks, or if you'd like to buy mine for five bucks. But that was what I was going to say. Is I think I people am should going read to, it if they like it. Here's the <laughs> thing. Here's the thing. Uh, and that, that's what I was going to say. I'm glad you said that. Um, this will go in the bookshelf. This is going to stick around. Because nice. as a child, I would have lost my mind. Oh, yeah. oh absolutely. This. Absolutely. I would have lost my yeah. mind. Um, and, it, and it is a handsome looking book too, as far as great. artwork goes. And that would look nice on a shelf. You aesthetically create your bookshelves? Um, I, yeah. My bookshelves. Really? Yeah. My oh. bookshelves are actually arranged in the order in which I read the books. Oh, so you're like a high fidelity dude. That's stupid. Stupid. I have it all on a fucking (laughs) Excel spreadsheet, just so I'm certain. Mine looks like episode one. (laughs) Mine looks like a color wheel. (laughs) So it's just all aesthetic. (laughs) Mine is 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 just a a genre. Yeah. Yeah. Philosophy book. Well, going back going back to what Daniel just said, he referenced his own book, and I think we have to celebrate for a moment, right? Absolutely. I didn't reference my own book. Sure, you did. When you say my book. Never done. Let's just cut it and go back. Oh no, I meant <laughs> he, he meant the, I meant the right. copy my, that he owns. my copy. I of, thought you were referencing your book. Well, now it's now, now it's out of the bag. Yeah, and we do have Franco's novels coming out absolutely. next spring. And this is the first time we've done a BRB since it happened. Well, thank you. Yeah, dude, yeah. high five! Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, Nick's book's coming out probably after you hear this cast or before you've before heard this you cast. Hear this cast yes. before you, yeah. 22nd uh, of ju- September. 22nd of September. Good Big grief. celebration. Coming out of Mall House. Good job, man. And the oh, art, speaking thank of you. artwork, artwork on that looks titty. Um, <laughs> I drove home and nearly crashed because I was shaking the whole time. Yeah. I'm was, not surprised. Couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. It yeah. looks really good. Yeah. Good grief. Comes out on September 22nd from Maudlin House. You can probably pre order that on Amazon or probably Maudlin House. Are they .com or .net? .com. Maudlin House.com. 
of and I would Nicholas Gregorio. You went by Nick Gregorio Nick, on the cover. Yes, yes. Yeah. I don't. I don't go by Nicholas. Your Me author either. name is Nick. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Uh, same with a G. Yes. Okay. G N I C K. But Nick and Nick makes a good point. Do support your brick and mortar shops. Um, I I got this because I knew it was coming out on a uh, a major label mm-hmm. publisher. Mm. And and there you go. and sometimes I'll do an Amazon <clears throat> on that, but I do, yeah. I either buy directly from the indie publisher or from a brick and mortar shop. Yep. So, ah, uh, God, it just sounds like I'm backtracking now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shit, I do though. Listen, I you really got, do. You got a little baby on the way. You got that's those eighteen bucks. That's a pack of diapers. I don't know how I don't know how, <laughs> I don't they, know how, how much, they come. I don't know how, how much they is. cost. I didn't even think of that, but you're right. Yeah. In any case, any closing thoughts on uh, Dragon Teeth? Pick it up. It's fun. Why not? Fun. I'll Absolutely. sell you mine for five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Reach out. <laughs> what savings? <laughs> uh, all right. I think, that, I think that wraps up our yeah. book. Good. And for this book, you know, it's historical fiction. So what I would uh, do, how the hell would I teach this? Um, I would use this as a cross-curricular um, device, honestly. I would use it to uh, engage with my history teacher uh, and, and sort of find this common text uh, that both could use to increase things like vocabulary uh, and honestly comprehension. And so when we're talking about cross-curricular, I think it's extraordinarily important that all subject matter talks to one another. Um, but in teaching this, I would absolutely use it as, if not the time period, um, certainly vocabulary um, or anything else that would be beneficial to uh, one group or grade level of student. Uh, and that's how I would teach it. So how the fuck would I teach it? Cross-curricular, baby. Uh, we are moving forward yes. into the music section. Uh, you picked for us Dinosaur Pileup. Yes. Nick Gregorio with a G. Yes. Yes. So Dinosaur Pileup, picked they are, you, you say 90s, right? And well. But they are not from the 90s. They're not from the 90s. They're, they're they a have current band. sound. Yes. Um, a little background on them. Elaborate. They're from the UK. They got their name off of that terrible Peter Jackson King Kong when all the dinosaurs <laughs> fell down the hill. <laughs> dinosaur Pileup. That's the best oh, thing about the band. Nice. <laughs> that is. That's um, great. And uh, the drum sound on all the records is great as well. Matt Bigland um, recorded, uh, wrote and recorded all of the music for both of the first two albums. Uh, this is the first one with a full band, which is 1111. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I discovered them uh, because a few years ago I decided I don't like to be um, a dick about my own music. I want to go and try and find out about music that I might not want to listen to. And I stumbled upon on the the iTunes What's New This Week page. Um, there was a an album with it's a, a great dude feature. falling on his face. <laughs> and it was called Nature Nurture. Nice. <laughs> by Dinosaur Pileup. That was the album. And I heard it and it's it was heavy and it was bubblegum and it was a lot of fun. And I kind of became obsessed with them because they are they're doing something that happened twenty years ago or so, yeah. thirty years ago or so. Um and they're not reinventing the wheel. They're just putting a new spin on it, as I like to say. Yeah. Um, and they're super fun. And 1111 came out um, this uh, last year in this country, the year before that in the UK. And I actually, it was delivered to me the day before my wedding. So nice. this album soundtracked that whole oh, day. Oh, nice. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. And it's, it's just a really cool 
rock record to listen to in the car and bang your head a little bit. And they are from uh, England, should be known, right? Yep. They, yeah, they're from across the pond. Um, and that uh, you bring up something that was the first thing I wanted to mention is this idea of doing something uh, that's already happened, yep. right? Because I, I struggle with and, and feel like um, I am uh, just late to all these different scenes, mm. right? Like uh, the uh, Gypsy Punk Gogo Bordello thing. They're I, coming I, out with a new record. Fucking yeah, I I I love that. I I was late to it, right? There's all these other and and et cetera, et cetera. There's a, a friend of mine who is in. He's a great drummer, uh, uh, Tommy Zordo. He is uh, Tommy Z was in a was a drummer for Chad in a different band called oh. uh, uh, You Are a Dollar Sign, I Am a Number. Oh, I like that. Just kidding. It's reversed. It's Dead Air <laughs> <laughs> is the name of the band. Uh, I'm a dollar sign. You're a number. Okay. Um, yeah. But in any case, um, he's in a band called Oh Are They, uh, which is obviously a reference to um, <laughs> nice nurses uniform guy. They're OR scrubs. Oh, are they? Um, <laughs> What's that from? That is from Rushmore. Mm, never seen it. What? Wow. What? Uh, I was watching Back to the Future 3 again. <laughs> <laughs> so in any case, he is doing a lot of that post-punk Thursday mm-hmm. Um, type type sound and stuff like that, and uh, it, it's it's cool. I like going I like going out there and and listening to that kind of stuff too. Um, but when we're listening to Dinosaur Pile Up and this, um, I couldn't help but think of the bands who do it better. Uh, and that was the thing that 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 because um, the drums sound great on all these albums. By yeah, the way, yeah. so I listened to that first as a drummer. Um, but uh, so it, the the guitar sound on this album has a little bit of that Queens of the Stone Age thing, but right. I would prefer listening to Queens of the Stone Age because it's yeah. a little bit better. Um, it sounds a little bit like thrashy, like Bronx, but it's kind of like Pussy Bronx. So I would rather, rather listen, listen to, to the to Bronx. <laughs> yeah. uh, and 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 frankly, um, uh, the song "Bad Penny." Yeah, I was listening to over and over. Um, <laughs> I was like, this reminds me of Bars, Bright Lights for Demise. But Bright Lights for Demise is so much better. And it's just like this 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 kick-ass um thing, but the the singer growls a little bit better and the drums are a little bit tighter and, and this is, and it's a little bit faster, like the tempo's like well, here's, ten here's, more. Um but here here's hmm. here's the thing that I was gonna say. The the reason I say is I, I go through it and do all that. It makes me go back and listen to all those bands mm. again. And then I found myself listening to Dinosaur Pile Up again. So I don't necessarily think that it's a bad thing to do that was the thesis of my no. my statement here is that, is that it reminded me of things that I, I had forgot about Bars. If you haven't listened to Bars. I never heard it. Bars is a band from New York City. Uh, they came out around the same time as like Far and uh, Hum, uh, like, like those bands. Um, and... It was it, they were the best out of that little group in that time. Bars is so so good, and Bright Lights for Demise is one of the best songs ever written. <laughs> it's like a minute fifty, and it kicks your ass into a fucking table. Um, <laughs> but it made me remember those bands and, and want to yeah. listen to them again. And I think that that's something that a dinosaur pileup does and brings to the scene that is good. First and, reminder and I had was the first Foo Fighter record, right? You know. They have these really cool open E open yeah, breakdowns that are just rad. Yeah. And I love that shit. Mm-hmm. And I've heard the first Foo Fighters record a thousand times. I'd like to hear something that does right. the same thing that's But then I, I and then if it reminds you that, you can go listen to the first Foo Fighters record. And, and it's a continuum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bit bopping around. Yep. Yeah. I feel like um like it was okay. It wasn't bad. 
Um, but with something like this, I think I have to agree with uh, Nick with an H over here. Uh, if, <laughs> that's Mahalik. Yeah. Uh, not not the one with the book. That's Nick Gregorio. Good grief, coming out September 27th. <laughs> Modelhouse.com. <laughs> Shameless. That was uh, beautiful. Flawless. You know, when these, I don't want to call them like nostalgia acts because mm-hmm. where they, they don't have their own they're nostalgia. From 2007, yeah. So, yeah. But their music is, they're playing music from another era. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think of guys like Leon Bridges, who was like a soul throwback act. Sure. I, you know, I listen to that and I listen to uh, Dinosaur Pilot. I'm like, well, this is, this is pretty good, but it almost makes me just, I'd rather listen to the source. Mm-hmm. Let me just go back to the source. Sure. Right. It's like I when, get that. So when Paul McCartney puts a new album out, part of me wants to listen to it because of what he did with the Beatles. And then I inevitably listen to the album. And I'm like, oh, this isn't very good. But <laughs> Ram is better. <laughs> <laughs> but then it makes me, it makes me go back to the source. Yeah. You know, um, Right. So when I listened, I, I didn't, I had no idea what year this album came out when I listened to it. Yeah. And I put it on, and I was like, okay, I I know this. Yeah. And then I saw that it came out in 2016, <laughs> and I was like, did like did fucking sub pop go into a coma for like 25 years? And then like, yeah. Well, uh, this is they're it, not released on sub pop. That was no. The, yeah. I don't even know what record label they're on, but th- it's just one of those. They're they're a band that is in my own mind it's something you put on and you kind of rock and bop to yeah in your car or on your on your your home stereo and it's just sugar and mm. bubble gum and fun yeah um and i totally understand where you're coming from where you'd rather go back to the source i get it um more times than not i like to hear those sounds from those bands um with better recording <laughs> so, sure you know what i mean so that's where that like that's why i get really hype on this because it's like it's straight up the first foo fighters record recorded well recorded really well yeah was the first foo fighters album not recorded well they were demo tapes yeah that they didn't re-record and just put out dave dave did it all he played every instrument uh, yep. much out of the like first Big two one. albums of uh dinosaur pileup were yep. done he recorded every instrument uh, but the entire first foo fighters album was done in two weeks in 1994, yeah. which was like right after Nirvana ended, he just had these songs yeah. and he had to get And just them out. about every rock album of that era sounds better mm-hmm. than the first Foo Fighters record. Yeah. I, know, I like an album that comes out, you know, recording an app, you know, in two weeks. Oh, listen, I'm not trying albums. to say. Elvis Costello, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah a lot of great scene. albums were yeah. just well, I'm not in and out. To, yeah. I'm not trying to say that I, I dislike it. Yeah. I, it's one of my favorite, it's one of my top five favorite records, if you remember. Yeah. Oh, we do. Yeah. Um, episode four. But it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> But it's just one of those things that I'd like to hear it uh, new. Hey, here's the thing. And, and I think one of the points of this that we haven't yet stated is that you um, rightfully wanted to start looking at new things. Yes. Right? And, and that's why we have Dinosaur Pileups. Uh, it is their newest album. It is their, their most recent. Yes. Yeah. So uh, we have, and, and you know, a little bit of bubblegum is involved, you know, some gossamer and whatever. But, yep. but to what, look at gossamer things. gossamer mean? Uh, the Seinfeld are... reference. Well, what's this cartoon mean? Well, it's gossamer, and one does not dissect gossamer. Well, well gossamer <laughs> it just means like something you can see through. It's frivolous. Yeah, it's just it's like tissue paper. It's okay. just there. You can't dissect it. You can't because you'd be left with nothing. Exactly. And yet we dissected uh, dragon teeth. We we somehow found a way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that you five you, bucks you... at Daniel DeFranco. <laughs> <on Twitter. laughs> 
<laughs> He's got an eBay store linked up. <laughs> Free shipping. <laughs> In the tri-state. Um, looking at new things and, 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 and getting, getting into new things. Yes. The way I, uh, I'll be honest, I never uh, used to do it, and we kind of haven't here, but I never used to do it with literature. And now I do go out of my way to look at what the small presses are putting out, yep. like like a $2 radio. What are they putting out? Because yeah. they're doing a good job, you know, and, and, it, uh, you know, and these other ones. But um, I always used to do it with music by going to specific venues that would always bring in new good stuff. Like when Kung Fu Necktie opened up, I was there pretty much every weekend because I was seeing, and I got to see, you know, uh, Drink Up Buttercup. Who were fantastic. I got to see Cheers Elfin, who were fantastic. I got to see Creepoid and all these bands from the city um, that were new and great, you know. And and I think it does become easy as you get older to hold on to the things yes. that you like because you like them right. and to 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 not give yourself the time or to prioritize finding things that are new. We're talking about art, you know, yep. we're talking about things that matter to us. Not everybody would agree with that, right? Uh, for better or worse, but well, the flat earthers would da- downright disagree. But <laughs> that's just me. Yeah, <laughs> fucking flat earthers. Um, but I will say, I, I I think there's a lot of value in in what Gunnick has uh, has encouraged <laughs> us to do here, which is which is to look for new for new things and and to try and see it. And while I will certainly listen to bars a number of more times. Um, uh, you know, like my uh, Michael gave me uh, um, a, a gift certificate to Spotify, and, and new stuff yep. is now coming my way all the time. It took me years to 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 to, to engage with, with there's, that. There's no better experiment if you're a fan of music to just go and try and find new shit. Um, it's frustrating because a lot of bad shit exists, um, and but, you've paid a cover to get in. Because uh, you know me, yeah. I'm all. About the live, yeah. right? So, yeah. so, so that's the thing uh, that. But do homework. Go to a show. Yeah. Go research it online. Go find new bands that you like because, um, I didn't never heard of Dinosaur Pileup, and now here they are. They're getting played on MMR every now and then. Um, they're playing Philly shows with bands like Brand New, um, and it's it's really cool just to try and get new stuff out there and trying to assimilate new stuff into your repertoire. As Absolutely. It were. So. <laughs> Uh, let's get into uh, the song that we're going to cover, right? We're talking about Bad, Bad Penny. Bad Penny. Um, yep. This uh, you know, is I Bad Penny. Is gnarly ass riffage. Gnarly riffage. Gnarly remind, riffage. Again, reminds me of that Queen of the Stone Age yep. uh, songs for the deaf type tone. Yep. Drums, again, my, my main contribution here is to say that for Dinosaur Pileup, uh, good on you. Your drums sound good on and all your recordings. they fucking pound on those things. They sound fun to play. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, for for guitar riffage, you know, I like getting a nice little pentatonic blues workout from time to time. Well, it's, why don't you talk about the tuning though, gents? Yeah. It's um because I can't. It's all C sharp. It. Well, it's tuned to C sharp, so it's like a like standard D tuning. Then you go drop C, and then you drop everything into one more sharp. half. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's bizarre. I didn't think they <laughs> played like that until I tried to learn it. That was the first time I've heard of that tuning. Yeah, I in it, twenty and years of playing. I'll tell you what, singing to it's going to be pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just it's a standard. You know, you just drop everything. If you're already a half step down, which is pretty standard for rock music, sure. Well, then you're using that, and then you're you're doing this drop tuning yeah. on yeah. top of that. So it's not. It's not like super weird. Yeah. But what's well, typically you hear like drop D and that's right. like the Well drop C but, the, but they're also just down 
that half step to begin with, like Hendrix right. did. Nirvana did a lot of stuff. We used it like it's a standard rock thing to go a half step down. But then it's drop easy. C just puts like more balls <laughs> because it it's just so fucking heavy. It's yeah. so heavy, but it has that nice. It has a chunk. It does to have it, a I chunk think, to with it. that particular tuning. Well, if you listen to a band called Within the Ruins, they're in a minor. <laughs> that is, you can hear the strings rattling. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had issues with uh, <laughs> with playing this and, and learning it because all my strings I use um, for musicians out there. Uh, I use 10 gauge strings. I guess for non musicians, it's more important. Um, <laughs> strings are, are gauged. I think you're saying that like, people are going to go out and now buy a 10 gauge. Daniel DeFranco, I use 10 gauge Ernie balls. I use 10 gauge Ernie balls. Yeah. balls. So uh, strings are gauged, and the lower the gauge, the thinner the string is. It's easier to play. Um, the higher the gauge, the thicker the string is, and the, the tighter they feel. But they also lend themselves to detuning. Yes. So you'd like use like corn. a higher gauge, like like an 11 or 12 or fuck you and use 13s if you can get them. Yeah. Um, but if you do standard tuning on a higher gauge They're string, awful. they just destroy your fingers. Although Stevie Ray Vaughan, he used 11 gauges, I think or maybe 12s. Um, and he would bend the fuck out of his things. And I, from what I understand, when he shook your hand, it was like a vice grip. Um, so Not a guy surprised. like that would do that. <laughs> All right, well, that's really boring for anybody that doesn't know how to tune a guitar. Uh, <laughs> Probably. Let's, <laughs> let's just play the song. I agree. And, and uh, listen for those flapping strings, ladies and gents. <laughs>
Well, that was kind of fun. Oh, fuck you. Oh, God. <laughs> so Strickland. Uh, can't, can't beat starting a, starting a song with a roll, baby. Can't beat starting a song <laughs> with a roll. the drummer. Well, that I, riff, literally, I get erections. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like that it starts with drums because that's the less play no that I have to gonna, do. Yeah. I, it's, it's, I can look at his erection. Well, <laughs> You know what? I know there was That's something, actually, there was something I, I was gonna say. Um, there was nothing fictitious. No fictitious. That Johnson was a that was a nonfiction Johnson. <laughs> well, you, it, can, we it roll, made me, can we roll this back? <laughs> well, it, it made me think of uh, uh, for some reason uh, we were talking about bands that are like calling upon some previous genre or or, or movement. Uh, Wolf Mother. Was one that I wanted to yeah. mention, and they but did they that did really it. so so yeah. well. It almost seemed new again. I thought yeah, it was. Then they shit it. They shit the bed. That Wolf Mother. They came out with the worst album I'd ever heard because he kicked everybody out of the band and then did it himself. That I guy, can do it myself. He's a bastard. In oh, it's so that, it's such a shame. That Jet. early shit was good. Oh, first album was so good. But they were they were like a goddamn Zeppelin that? ripoff at the you know. You're, you're right. You you're know. right. You're, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but is he right? Anyway, let's move into the brew. Yes. So for our regular ass cast, uh, I think this was my sole contribution here. Um, I suggested Kenzinger. Yes. Because it is my standby in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It's a regular and elsewhere, ass frankly, beer. It is a regular ass beer. It has that delicious bowling uh, logo on the front, which I, think, I love. I, I think you said, uh, what uh, did I say? Bad wrong. I think you said it. You said it del- del- how do you say I said delicious. delicious. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> Listen, I, you you serve you serve uh, Kenzie's, correct? Uh, no, no. You don't serve Kenzie. The bar, I, uh, this is fine. This is a keychain. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get it's a my picture of this keychain? Key. What the fuck yeah. is this? Yeah, uh, I'll take yeah. A of it. This is a keychain with the uh, smallest Whose bottle keys opener. Are these? <laughs> They're mine. <laughs> No, I think I think Daniel has has He's borrowed it up to the mic. Daniel has <laughs> borrowed reference. your keys on numerous occasions, and every single time, gone. Whose keys are these? Why are there so many keys? You know why I like What's nostalgia bands? Because I'm nostalgic. I have For keys, keys to everything. <laughs> he doesn't get rid of any. Of I them. get rid of nothing. Yeah, he can ride the elevator in that first school he taught at. <laughs> I had learned that. It's true. The, uh, but but that's a that's an inside teacher joke because you can't you never get rid of your elevator key. No, you don't. You never get rid of your elevator key. That is gold. Uh, um, so no, the bar that I work at slash had worked at slash may work at again, uh, we did not serve Kensinger. Um, I used to ask you to suggest things to me when I would go to. Well, so, I, well I would never serve. And you wouldn't Kensinger. suggest this. <laughs> no, if we wanted Kensinger. Are we starting this with like pooping on the beer we're drinking without even? I'm not it? pooping on. I said I delicious. Like you're the only pooper. Okay, well, soul pooping, uh, soul pooping. <laughs> <laughs> soul poop. Is that like? I don't know. It's existential. Insane. I've yeah. taken soul poop before. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> we've gone off the rails. This is the beer section. This is like is. The, this is what people expect. They want this. <laughs> uh, no, so, so stop if, pooping. Okay, and, people uh, wanted. You know. If people wanted Kensinger. I feel like the stuff that we had that was like Kensinger would have just been like your regular domestic anyway. Well, right, like a yellow belly. Yeah, like we've got yeah, like things that are a little bit more, um, I don't want to say established, <clears throat> but I guess you would expect on every menu. I don't think Kensinger's corn, though. Because when it's we're talking, corn, uh, there's, there's actual malts. 
That oh, uh, and I, did anybody say anything about corn? Well, you're talking oh. about those established ones. When you talk about your Budweisers, you talk mm-hmm. about your cores. That's you rice. Talk about those. That's uh, well, Budweisers rice. You're right. Um, cores is corn. And so they they use their their sugars are these are, are are things like that rice and corn whereas you're not using actual malts. Well, so I guess whereas the, the I would say thing, Philly Brewing Company is when this beer came out in 2008 or nine when it came out maybe ten I'm not sure it was a while ago um, and Kensington now uh, has maybe a certain element of oh it's kind of a cool place to live you still might maybe has. You still might get robbed. Certainly does. You might get you robbed. Certainly will get robbed. Yeah. Uh, the, I work a, in Kensington. Thank you. Plenty it's of <laughs> there's, there's plenty of townies that still live there. I think yeah. It's not even fair to call them townies because these are the people that have lived there for their families. Have Generations. Lived there for, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you're coming in, and uh, you know having a coffee shop where you're charging twelve dollars for a uh, right. There's some places in Kensington that now look like Brooklyn. Yeah. Like Williamsburg, yeah. Brooklyn. That's the point so you're trying to the make. The point of it. Yeah. Um, about 10 years ago when the spear came out, a little less than 10 years ago, Kensinger, it was exactly what Kensington was. It was right. sort of not exactly a shit town, but like you're naming your beer Kensinger. For the people that are buying those other things, now you're, now you're, this is what they're drinking. Your right? marketing I mean, is, yeah. Well, it's hey, like the Delco lager that, that, but you know, comes out. Guess. You know, it's 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 what do you and your buddies drink, right? Yep. On a regular ass night, me and my buddies are drinking either these ponies or Coors Original Banquet Beer Yellow I, Bellies. I don't yeah, want to use the words, you know. And I think this is a better regular ass beer. But the so, branding yes. of it is, it. hey, here's a, a white beer. trash beer. No, it is Whoa! not. Hey, <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that's when it came out. That's how I that's felt. Not a legitimate Listen, review. I was, I was drinking my liberal latte. That's, what, that's and, where uh, you were. That's where you were headed. And I was like, I oh, see this beer, dude. That I was see a this three-minute setup for the for <laughs> that yeah, this entire time. I see this beer and I go, "That's a regular ass beer. That's that's a man. That's a beer that anybody can drink." At any yeah. point and fucking have a nice time. For the record, oh, Nick does not have sleeves on his t-shirt right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I fucking do. He does have a bat, though. Yeah, they're just but, rolled up. But I'll be, I'll be honest. This, um, and I'm always honest. I keep clarifying with mm. I'll be honest, but nothing I, I say is like purposefully a lie. This tastes gross. Um, you're in it. You're crazy. Wait, uh, Can I, we I, drink? Yeah, oh, I, I oh, think that, yeah, way to jump the cheers, gun, you, you jerk. Let's let's hey let's cheers to sip. Kensinger. Cheers to Kensinger. Okay, I'm cheers. not cheersing to it. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, cheers to you. Yeah. To friendship. Uh, all right. To good grief out September twenty second from Marvel House. He's only doing it because he expects us to do it when his comes out. <laughs> yeah. Um this is delicious. I, love such this. A, I, I said delicious and I stand by it. It's delicious. not the right word. There's something wrong with your palate. This this it is it's good. It's very good beer. It's very Here's good the thing, beer. Because what do you get from a Kensinger that you don't from a banquet? And I love Yellow Bellies. You know it, right? What do you get from a Kensinger that you don't from the fucking ponies that we're drinking? A higher price tag? <laughs> One. But also, and you're not wrong there. You're not wrong. I understand the, the argument you're making. Yeah. But, but what I'm saying with the Kensinger is I can taste that there were actual ingredients yeah. used in the making of this beer. Mm-hmm. There are hops here. You can taste them. You can't if taste you, that in I, any typical beer. Oh my god! If you were to drink a yellow belly and go, "Hmm, I believe these are some Citra and uh, perhaps a light Cascade hop at, <laughs> at, at the back note," uh, I would I, punch I, you in the mouth if you said like, that. <laughs> like for real? Yeah, I, seriously. I, I, you, you're an asshole. There, there's no so, way you're tasting that. You're tasting corn ice sugar. 
and yeah. and cheap and, beer. And, Kensinger <laughs> has, and this is my standby, dude. When I would go, like you mentioned, Kung Fu, Kung Fu Nuktai has Kensinger. That was my standby beer there all the time because yes. I could drink ten of them. Yep, and I could enjoy myself. And I could wake up the next day and not want to kill myself. Yeah. This is one thing about having high uh, uh, sort of like ABV beers and these these craft beers. They're super crafted. Um, you may not get the headache, but you are certainly going to feel, like gonna feel beaten up. Um the next day, Kensinger, I I think is I think is a great beer. I really do. It For, tastes, you know, I'm sorry, you can go. <laughs> Thank you. For the record, I don't want to say that I'm I'm coming from that ivory tower. A world of you know you could taste the Cascade hops first. Like, fuck you if you Sounds if you describe like beer it. like that. <laughs> it, it does sound like that's why I feel the need to clarify. I I, I take a very middle of the road approach. I think I, I like a little bit. So uh, in that movie Demolition Man, at the very end, it's a lesson that I've I've taken through my whole life. This is Let's a deep see what this goes. <laughs> So I'm putting on my seatbelt. I'm strapping in because I want to see where this goes. At the end, at the Demolition end, Man. It's a great movie. No, so, oh, I know. Is I that just, the uh, connection Sylvester is Stallone and uh, Dennis Leary. Uh, Taco Bell is the only restaurant that And Wesley that Snipes. So at the end, Sylvester Stallone, he points at, at the dirty people and he points at the uh, ivory tower people. He's like, you guys... Can, uh, you, you should get a little bit more dirty and uh, you should get a lot more clean. So I feel like that was a bad Sylvester Sloan impression. Wow. It was better than anything that Nick can, <laughs> can do. You're not wrong. Um, uh, St. Andrews. Uh, the bar that Rocky went to in Rocky Four was in Kensington where he's like, you can knock him down. Now try to knock me down. That he was- just did Schwarzenegger just like wow. he did with his yeah. Scottish. I'm sorry. Uh, this but is are you chopper? What I'm getting at is I'm coming from this middle of the road uh, where I appreciate very, very nice beers and also some maybe, you know, like, like a hams. I'll get down with the fucking hams from time to time. All right. Um, I'll get down with the right. Budweiser. We're not talking, we're not, we're not talking th- that, that you should be indulging in like in Jenny or like Natty Light or something like that. Like, and, and, and trying to say that it's like, ice. right. Like that, that stuff, that stuff's going to hurt you and it doesn't do much Mm-mm. to you, but hurt you and make you pee a bunch. I don't think this is good. I feel like somebody pissed in the vat. I completely disagree. Look, I really do. Hams. I can't believe that we're having a beer argument about Kensinger. That's I know. hilarious. <laughs> I, know. I thought it would be something way different, yeah. but but okay, let's have at it because I really think and and you know yeah. what, Nick, go. Hams, Budweiser, Coors, Miller. You know what they taste like? Beer. The same beer. <laughs> beer. <laughs> Kensinger tastes like beer. And when I want to drink beer, I just want some but I think taste, Kensinger in, in, tastes like better beer. It does. It's, it's like, like a gateway drug to to to, 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 to Lagunitas IPA and Budweiser's <laughs> way better than Kensinger. Look, you're out of your mind. You're crazy. Um, and these are fresh too. That's the thing because I've had a fucked up tap where you're, you're getting like a it's like a scummy tap and 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 it's because Kensinger's on tap all over Philly, right? It's like the three dollar beer, and yeah, I've had a scummy tap where I've been like, ah, oh, fuck. But it's Kensinger and it was three dollars. So it's not, it's like no, yeah. it's a wash. Give me a yards pale and give me anything from yards any day. Well, you're, oh, you're Kensinger. You're, you're okay. literally, you're literally, this, you're going against the regular ass cast. This is a regular ass night beer. This is a regular ass beer. Although I will say this, and, and, and Daniel brings up a really, really, really uh, important point that we have to make here, right? Um, well, because Kensinger is from PBC. Kensinger is a is a PBC Philly, Philly Brewing Company, company. Uh, yeah. and 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 Yards Pale Ale right is 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 Yards. However, at one time they were one, 
Yeah. So let's drop a little knowledge here, right? Do it. Uh, because at, at one time, uh, it was all called yards, right? And then we had... Um, As uh, God intended. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so in Kensington, there was the Yards Brewery. All their equipment was there. They also had... Um, you know, you could go there and you you, you could uh, engage just as you can in, in numerous. It wasn't just a brewery, right? You could go. It was, a, was it a restaurant then? I don't know. I, I knew tap when room. they were on tap room. Umbria Street go. in Maniunk in the 90s. And then they moved to Kensington for about about 10 years or so. No kidding. I didn't yeah. even realize that, that they were on, on Umbria Street. Yeah. It's no a big shit. blue building on the left side next to the train station. Okay. It's a plumbing supply company now. How about that? Yeah. Wow. So So yards... Uh, and also by proxy, Philly Brewing Company started in Roxborough, our neighborhood. Yeah, no shit. Where we young. sit. Um. So in, in any case, uh, what we had in 2007 was a split, mm-hmm. and um, it sent ripples through the local scene. I remember. Yeah, it. So yeah, and 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 beer advocate and all all these. All these uh, different, you know, because Philly has has always had a, a very strong beer scene. Around then was really, I, I would argue, when it really started to take mm-hmm. off, right? I'd say um, so. And so we have um, a split between Tom Keogh, who was essentially, many people argued, like a silent partner because he wasn't mm-hmm. like the face of Yards. He wasn't, uh, you know, in the brewery greeting you. Uh, he he wasn't a brewer. He wasn't a brewmaster, right, or anything like that. Um, and he was just like this, the sound partner in yards. And then you had a couple um, who were the, uh, the 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 sort of I always want to say founders, but but the Bartons were more just like partners, mm-hmm. right? Right. And so they um, they moved to Kensington. They have Kensington as their home base. And then 2007 comes along. There's a split. Keo is getting yards, the name. And he's getting uh, the recipes. Yeah. And he goes off and starts yards elsewhere. He was like the Marsh of this. The Marsh? Yeah, Edward Marsh. From yeah, from the book. Dragon oh, Teeth. absolutely. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah. he's definitely... And he's, 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 he's sort of like, uh, by a lot of Philly beer enthusiasts, uh, uh, regarded as such. Like, there, there was a, a bunch of backlash. And a so, paranoid psychopath? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> More so that 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 he was like almost uh, made a pariah and, and, and seen as as somebody who was who was building uh, his own thing off the back of maybe ex- something else exactly yeah. and, and 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 that the Bartons were, were really the, yeah. the heart of of yards so he goes off and does that and then the Bartons stay and they keep the uh, the venue if you will uh, in Kensington and they keep all the equipment mm-hmm. um, in 2007 and they start uh, Philly Brewing Company and and when you look at and I went back and looked at Beer Advocate from from 2007 uh, there's so many people that are just shitting on Keo yeah and and, and really just saying one that yards won't make it which as we know nobody thought it was going to i yeah. remember we we pulled all the yards from our taps we didn't have any more oh right and wow i remember like oh, so you liking... were bartending at this yeah, time yeah yeah. Oh, all right. yeah i started in 2005 um and that was like my full-time job in 2007 so i remember oh, shit, you know yeah. i had a hand on like picking beers and stuff and we we're like well are we are we ever gonna get this you know this stuff yeah back? you can't keep the tap if there's not so. gonna be yeah wow so they're, they're huge ripples like our reps came in and that was the thing that people were talking about yeah. yeah, I mean, because because yards uh, was, I would argue, the catalyst for for inciting this Philly beer scene that we oh, now Philly have. craft scene, absolutely. Yeah, because because yeah. because once that split happened, then and this is what so much of the discord is. Philly deserves more than one craft brewery. Mm-hmm. So and you go back to these 
now that we have this beautiful thing, the internet, we can look at what the conversations actually were back then. Isn't it's it really weird? funny though? Because it's so the, strange. The, there yeah. was there was a, a wonderful bar. I referenced it on the show before. Um, General Lafayette Inn. It was an mm. incredible microbrew, um, and it was always packed. And then they they went away after the distro deal fell through. No shit. Yeah. Wow, that's a shame. Off the beaten path, though. Yeah. A little bit. They're 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 yeah. right on the on the they're right outside of Chestnut Hill, so it's technically the suburbs. Oh, okay. Um, well, technically, it is the suburbs <laughs> by about a hundred feet. <laughs> <laughs> There's a hedge that separates them. But even so, like uh, with Chestnut Hill and Mount Airy, the Wissahickon does draw yeah, does like cut a pretty 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 hard line because you have yeah. to go like around yep. to get to them. Yeah. But in any case, I'm interested in the feud. Let me hear the beer yeah. advocate. I haven't, I haven't read those. So, oh, okay. So, uh, something that beer advocate, um, says is, is, uh, and, and I'll read a little bit. Um, if you were to ask an employee who the brewers of yards are, as I have beer advocate states, uh, they were, they were not to mention Tom Keogh. They wouldn't mention Tom Keogh. In fact, I've inquired several times in the past about Tom's role in the operation. He was after all listed only as a co-founder on their website. Well, to the yards business and its patrons, that's all Keogh has ever been not a brewer or a manager or even a friendly face at the brewery. He was a silent partner. Hmm. Wow. That's what, I mean, a lot of people felt that. And then he comes back and actually responds to that post on this particular thread. I'm curious to hear what he says. It's I, not good. I had my uh, wedding reception at Yards. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Uh, at, at Yards. The brewery. Post the, the one, split? Yeah, yeah. In post 2000 schism? and I should know this, 2015. Yeah, So yeah, we, we got married elsewhere, but then we had like a big party at Yards nice. afterwards. Um, and... Uh, the owner in all of our dealings with yards never once met the owner, and what you know? Why would you? You know, you meet the event coordinator and everything. Sure, but um, they have a well. I'll be cardboard. honest. At my reception, I definitely met the owner. She was oh, really right, nice. Right. They have a cardboard cutout of him, like up, <laughs> up, like it's high, like he's looking down on everybody. Oh, <laughs> wow! Wow! So never met the man, yeah. but I saw his cardboard cutout. Sure. That I mean. If you have a cardboard cutout of yourself, you're a certain. You're type kind of, of always there, right? Are you more a marsh or? Are you... I have I a cardboard cutout or... of myself. Moving forward, <laughs> uh, so Tom Keogh actually replies to this thread, and he says, "Hello, beer advocate." That's how he prefaces it to the website. Um, to the website, not yep. to the person. Hello, beer advocate. Yeah. Uh, this is my first post on the forum, and I am Tom Keogh. That's the first sentence. That's just... Uh, his his comma is in the right spot. It's a strong opening. Uh, it, it seems that with all the activity on this page, I just wanted to let you know that I am reading the posts, and I hope to communicate with the beer community through my actions as the president. The president is is capitalized. P and president is capitalized. As it should be. Uh, and found right. Uh, and founder of Yards Brewing Company. The official separation happened on August second, and all three in quotations parties got what they wanted. The details are details. The big picture is Yards will be leaving its lease early, its is capitalized, uh, and moving to a new well, location, which I can't disclose now. And a new brewery will be formed at the former location. Philadelphia gets two, all caps, breweries, and we need more. Philly needs to take back the reputation it once had as the brewing center of the country. I like that. I love that. Because we were, we had... I mean, brewery town. We had brewery just, town, we which were, is now Fairmount. We were riddled with breweries. We were silly with them, if you will. <laughs> we were lousy Schlitz. with breweries. <laughs> just lousy with them. <laughs> you couldn't swing a dead cat without hitting a brewery. <laughs> or do that thing with like a wagon wheel and a stick. Yeah. yeah. You'd run into a brewery yeah. every time. Yeah, election. Jacks, where's the ball? Election the day was, was a fucking uh, hullabaloo. <laughs> 
in the 1800s. <laughs> in any case, Philly is, well, and yards, as we can see, perhaps that line is, is sort of foreshadowing to the uh, – the, the founders brews that he that mm-hmm. he did right um, with yards where we have the tavern spruce yep. um, and different things like that um, and so you know he go he goes on to say that uh, uh, we've we've moved all the time we were a th- three barrel brewery in Maniunk and this is what we did and, and it talks about you know um, they have the original uh, barrel at the new location no kidding and they're actually moving again because they've outgrown that location and yards arguably has become larger Blown up. than uh, PBC. And they're very good. Um, and, and they are very yards good. Yards is good. And, 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 and we did a Yards already on, mm-hmm. the, on the cast, you know? Um, and uh, what was it? The Sons of Ben. Yes. Uh, which yep. was really good. Which was tasty and, beer. Yeah. And, you know, and he signs off, it's all about the beer. Cheers, Tom. And so now, 10 years later, I, I, I feel like, yeah, there was, there was certainly a schism. I don't know the details of it and, and, and things of that nature, but they're both um, doing well. They're both doing well. And, and, and had the couple, right, had the Bartons really like something bad had happened to them and, and say PBC went mm. under or something like that, I, I don't know if I would be saying the same thing. But um, for both to do well and to, as he says, you know, uh, be bringing back Philadelphia as uh, the beer sort of center of the country. Yeah. Which is bizarre because let's talk about it. Beer, uh, especially good craft beer, has so much to do with the hops. Mm. No hops come from Pennsylvania. No, not well, at all. Had Schmitz. It's I mean, all- <laughs> like they brewed that here, <laughs> right? It's all from California. Where you get those floral notes and all this other stuff in, and and so it's well, it's, it's pretty. Yeah, and it's but but I think it, it takes a lot of balls to to not have a natural like inherent. Uh, uh, thing to, to that's an ingredient to yeah. your product. well the water, right? Why do well, we have water good dough huge. and pretzels? That's true. You that's know, we have yeah. very true. Well, actually, um, I, I I said dough and pretzels are two different things. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we got good dough? <laughs> Why make a good pretzels? <laughs> we have the good pretzels. Dough. If we can note how little we've talked about this Kensinger <laughs> during the beer cast, well, because what uh, more is there to say? Really, it is it's a, a regular very ass beer. good beer. I swear yes. to God, it should be. I think it should be everybody in Philadelphia, really? especially yep. your standby. You go to a bar, I disagree, and you can start the day with a fucking Kensinger. Why wouldn't you? you why have, wouldn't you? you have, Great. Why wouldn't you? You can have a thousand different beers, base. but you don't have to. Look, not everybody not goes into a bar. There isn't like a. There isn't a. A regular dude walking into a bar isn't going to go. Um, what what do you have on tap today? Could I have something with the finest malts from Who Gives a Fuck in my <laughs> beer? <laughs> like, I want a beer. Hey, this is Kensinger. Enjoy and it's it. the, and it's, he will. It's such a great way to start your day. You could also just say, "Hey, give me a yards." Don't even care which one. You ever you ever notice oh, that? Oh, that's a mistake, that's, sir. You get that love stout, your day's boned. <laughs> Do you ever notice, though, and that in, in TV shows, when somebody asks for a beer, they just go to the bar and they say beer. They plop down a beer, yeah. and it always looks like the Kensinger bottle. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I just, oh, I love how it's when, like, it's like an old bowling shirt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, because it tastes like, like someone see... wrung out the bowling shoe. Oh, <laughs> you... Oh, that was a good oh, one, but I hate it. was a good joke. It's, it's, but it is. It's like a big Lebowski. Like it, and it, absolutely. It has yeah. the star from the fucking bowling alley it's, on it. And it had the stripe. I had that stripe on one of my shirts. I thought, oh, man, this is uh, great. So, Nick, you brought up so you said people go in the movies and they say, can I have a beer? I, I and, shit you not. When I was bartending, so many times people would come in and sit down and say, I'm like, hey, how can I be like, I'll have a beer. And I'm like, <laughs> 
okay, this isn't a fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, what one right. do you want? It happens so often. Yeah, you know what you beer. should do? Yeah. Pour them just a, a Jenny light and throw it. Just slide it right from down the, the length of the bar. Of the bar. <laughs> yeah. Well, and if they the don't future. catch it, make them fucking get out. Milk, chocolate. <laughs> slides right into his hand. <laughs> All right. Cheers. Uh, listen. It's from Philadelphia. It's local. Support your local shit. Yes. Cheers. Absolutely. Lots of fun. Nicely done. Okay. We're going to talk a little social media. Uh, If you like the show, make sure you go on Facebook.com slash Book Record Beer Podcast. On Twitter, we are at Book Record Beer. And on Instagram, we're on Book.Record at Book.Record.Beer. We're also on iTunes. Uh, so please go out and star and suggest and do all that wonderful stuff. And I'm going to start this whole section again. All right, here we go. Um, if you enjoyed the show, please follow us on social media. We are on Facebook.com slash Book Record Beard Podcast. We are at... Uh, okay, do it again. I'm fu- here we go. This is so much fun. If you enjoyed the show, please go on Facebook at facebook.com slash book record beer podcast. On Twitter, at book record. You just, that was too loud. <laughs> All right, let's start it again. You were so good for so long. I know. If you enjoyed the show, please go on facebook.com. If you enjoyed the show, check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash book record beer podcast on Twitter at book record beer and on Instagram at book.record.beer. We're also on iTunes, so make sure you check that out. Star, rate, suggest, all that wonderful stuff. And we'll see you next time. Enjoy. And don't forget to check out amazon.com or marvinhouse.com for Nick Gorio's first novel, a thrilling new voice in the world of literature, Good Grief. Hey. Woo! Buy it. I, I have. I need new shoes. I need new shoes. If you like cigarettes and, and or Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs>